to the Coffee House Theater Company podcast. We got this down. Boom. Yeah, we're amazing. Wow. 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 Episode 10. Yes. I feel like that's so crazy. Like, how did we get here so quickly? I don't know. I feel like just yesterday we were recording oh. episode one. Yeah. I feel like yesterday we were just recording a different episode. Oh, wait. Uh huh. We were. Crazy. <sighs> so that's great. How are you? I'm good. It's been insane today. So I started my week-long musical theater intensive, which goes from 9 to 5 every day. But because of Miss Rona, it's online, meaning I'm sitting from 9 to 5 every day. Mm-hmm. My butt hurts so bad. Let I was going to say. But, like, it was, really, it was really cool. We had, like, the head of the musical theater department at Baldwin Wallace come in today. <gasps> and we got to do our monologues for him, and he gave us all feedback. And he was super nice, so... That was really cool. Great. We literally worked on monologues all day. I've got my first college audition song set. I'm be, I will be doing Nothing in Common from Chasing Nicolette, which I'm going to try to review that musical at some point. Ooh. But it's really weird because like it's kind of a newer one, and it's based off of like a really old French story, and I cannot find like Anything. an actual story for the like I can't find a um I can't find a soundtrack or a plot or anything. So I don't really know, but I'm going to do my best to record that so then maybe I can sing my audition song as a cover at some point, or maybe I'll just sing it anyway. Yeah. So yes, day one of that. And then I went on a run, but like, okay, so you know, like I was running every day for yeah a while. Like mm-hmm. it was, it was quite a few weeks ago and then like we went to Michigan and I just kind of like slacked and then like I haven't been running since. Mm-hmm. So I went running today for the first time and I... Never thought I would say this sentence, but I really missed it. It was so weird. I walked into the gym and like that smell and I was like, I'm so excited. Really? I've never had that before. And then, and then I ran for 20 minutes straight, which was also a new record. I've never done that before either. So I went from not running for from like three weeks to like my all time best. So I don't really know how that worked. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Crazy. I haven't ran for a while. You should go to the gym with me. What gym? Snap. Fitness. I, I don't have a membership. Well, you should get a membership and we can I, run together. I don't have a I don't have a need to get a membership. I was trained as a young child <laughs> to just run everywhere. Like literally around the whole town. See, I really just don't like running outside. It's just because I get too hot and then I'd have to carry a water yeah. bottle on me and then like and I get that. It's air conditioned and but there. like I said, I was trained as a child. I get that. So, (laughs) they're like, what happened to her? Her parents made her run. They were like, you're going to be an all-star athlete. You're going to college for running. At age two, she had to do laps. Just kidding. That didn't happen. (laughs) I guess I could have went to college for running. You could have. But I would have disliked every second of it, probably. Mm -hmm. I do like to run, though. I just... Owie. I used to never understand how you like to run. And now... Well, I, I always had a love-hate relationship with it because I loved it, but I also, I, I was always under so much stress because I was competing and that was just like mentally so much. But now that yeah. I don't have that happening anymore, I like to just run just because sometimes because I'm like, I get to chill run. That's, That's nice. Great, chill so. running is nice. Yes. What do you do today? Whoop! I hit the table. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. We're once again trying out more... Uh, mic things yes and so. i think i think we're on to something i think we're the light at the end of a, 
the tunnel. I really hope so, which to us it sounds good, but the test is going to be when we upload it. Yeah. that sometimes distorts things. So, so we're hoping. Um, but today I, so I brought my grandma to the doctor and then I had to work on our dog fence. We have an electric dog fence for our dog and we have to install it by taking the wire and putting it into the ground. <laughs> And it's a lot of work. So you're welcome, Mateo. Uh, oh, I love Mateo. He's getting, he's he's getting, oh, he's getting so good. He's growing up. And uh, he is. So I played with him a little bit today. I made lunch. I made myself breakfast. I got some stuff ready for college. Um, I did my research for this musical, and I did a lot of stuff for the podcast. So. Yay for marketing and <laughs> Yay promotional, Erin Clooney. <laughs> You're welcome. It's it's a lot of fun stuff, but so now we're in a good, good place and got so many fun things coming up that you guys don't know about. <laughs> oh, and we just uploaded our fourth episode today. Yes. So even though this is episode ten, <laughs> they will be listening to episode four as we record this. <laughs> yes. Hopefully they're listening to Power Equals Latte. I hope so. That <laughs> Power Equals Latte. I still think we need to put that on a shirt. I Oh, if we get merch someday. If we get enough for Patreon donors. People liking us. Yes. Merchandise. Also, we now have a review and six five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts. I know. <laughs> Which is, I'm like, Mom, why don't you at least leave a review for me? Like, I told my mom too do. as well, and she was like, okay, and she's not done it yet. Yeah, that's the thing is people just like, they think it probably takes a while, but it really doesn't. No. It's very quick. And it and helps us a lot. It helps a lot. So, so we're, ho- we're hoping things we're, go well. Yes. <sighs> but it's fine. <sighs> yeah. So pretty good day so far. Yes. Don't ruin it, Rachel. <laughs> oh, I'm just going to leave now. <laughs> no, actually. You, you can finish this yourself. Me, this is Erin Clooney. Me, myself, I. Recording. Oh, my gosh. I, I feel like I'm having deja vu. <laughs> <laughs> actually, that was episode 13. <laughs> so we, we actually... Oh, God. <laughs> now you're just trying confused. to explain our process of recording makes absolutely no sense well we have some guest stars coming in so we can't record yeah so we had to skip and then neither of us had musicals ready to review so we just skipped a bunch (laughs) because you know sometimes it takes a while to do the musical reviews depending on which one you do so oh my gosh okay so i also did mine today um at like six so (laughs) (laughs) it's 7 31 and i ran for 20 minutes if that shows you how fast i skirted but I had to go through five different things from my bucket because I could not find a like I could not find a storyline for any of them. All I could find were short synopsises. Oh, really? Yeah. So I literally would pick one out and I'd be like, I'd look it up and I couldn't find any, so I'd have to put it back. And then I'd pick another one, I couldn't find any, so I'd have to you put it back. You can have the Batman one. No, it's okay. See, you don't want it either. No, I don't. It's little. <laughs> I. Yeah. Sorry. Ugh. And I swear you you get the better ones. I actually just randomly picked them out. I the first one I picked out for today was Sunday in the Park with George. And I just I couldn't get into it and I just gave up. Like I did, was not comprehending the plot at all. And so 
I just think I feel like it was really boring. So maybe I'm really wrong and I was just totally missing something. But the plot like was about this dude who was painting people, and that was all I was getting out of it. Oh really? That didn't it Sondheim or someone? Yes. Right? Okay. I just because that's what I know about it, and I know that Mandy Patting Paddington, uh, J- Jason Gideon mm-hmm. from Criminal Minds was in that, and he's on the the soundtrack you can find. And he sings a song called, like, The Hat. Finishing the hat. First you gotta finish the hat. I don't know. And I love listening to that song. But I, I don't know anything about the musical other than that song. I mean, I could be very wrong, and it could be, like, the best musical ever in existence. But from what I was reading, I just, like, all I was getting was this dude painted his wife and then froze time and painted some other people and then painted some more people. <laughs> And I was like, this is so boring. I'm like, I'm not doing this. That's different. So then I picked yeah. out a new one. So if anybody listening here is in love with Sunday in the Park with George, I'm sorry. And send us a DM and maybe I'll actually go listen to it. Yeah, and call try her again. out. Just call, call me out. out. But if none of you actually like that show, don't call me out. And then I won't feel alone. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> <sighs> You're interesting. So instead of that, I am doing Love Never Dies today. The I got so lucky. Oh my gosh. I told you she Okay, she, but I had to go through five of them first to get this. This one. is the sequel to Phantom of the Opera, right? Yes it is. It's Sierra Bagas was in this. I'm so excited. This one I don't know. Uh, I, also Sierra Bagas is her and Sutton Foster are like my idols. I know, they're amazing. I love them so But before we get into that, coffee. Coffee. Okay. So <laughs> since Rachel was gone all day. Uh, I had to get the coffee, <laughs> and so I was like, I don't really know what to do, so I just got uh, coffee from the store, and we're dr- both drinking the same thing. I think it's Delight. Yes, but it's Ooh. like it's a, it's like it's a like carton. A little, yeah, it's a carton. Um, so I always see it in the store, and I always wanted to try it, and I just never did. It's so. really good. It is really good. It tastes almost like chocolate milk. Like it tastes. <laughs> Chocolate milk, but wakes you up. But wakes you <laughs> up. So, like, I don't know. I don't know if there's really that much coffee in it, but it tastes good. I feel so fancy, though, because I walked down into our new recording spot, and she she had it already, but she has this cof- coffee and glasses with ice and metal straws. Oh, and we just got these glasses. My mom just bought them, and they're, like, super fancy and cool. So we have fancy, cool glasses with coffee and metal straws today. Yes. Same for <laughs> turtles. <laughs> Every time I move, I feel like I'm just making a big badonk donk I feel like it's not going to pick up on the recording. We are experimenting with headphones today. Yes, we're fancy with our <laughs> Sony headphones. <laughs> Sony, please sponsor us. <laughs> Delight, please sponsor us. <laughs> We need sponsors. <laughs> Just anybody sponsor us. Would sponsor us. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my gosh. I can't deal with us. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> At least today I'm not stressed while recording. Normally I am. <laughs> I don't know why. Because I have so many other things going on. It's not actually because I'm recording. Actually, when I'm recording, I'm... Like, I have no stress related to that or nervous about it. But I'm just always stressed about other things. And then, yeah. I feel so... This is my de-stress time. Oh, yes. 
talking to Aaron while recording a podcast. While drinking coffee. While drinking coffee. This is the life. And talking about theater. That's actually very true. That's how I de-stress in my life. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. And hanging out with your god dog. Hanging out with my god dog, Mateo. (laughs) (laughs) I got... Okay, so... I pulled up into your driveway today, and I parked super crooked, but Mateo wasn't on his, like, leash. Oh, yeah. And so I was going to, like, back out and repark again, but I was worried I was going to hit Mateo, and your dad was out there staring at me. And then I, <laughs> I opened the door, and I was like, yeah, I'm just going to stay parked crooked so I don't hit Mateo. And he was like, oh, that's fine. And so my car's super crooked out there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I probably should have, like, told you that. Like, he has a, a electric, the electric collar on now, so he just kind of runs everywhere. And it's hilarious. He wasn't jumping on me, though. Like, I said that earlier. I think it's because he's been able to get his energy out from running a lot, so he's not so, like... he jumped in the air, but not, like, on me. (laughs) Of course he jumped in the air. (laughs) The boy's always jumping and running around like a maniac. But anyway, I walked out... I got out of the car, for sure, and he was on the... Mateo was on the other side of the car, and your dad goes, oh, he's looking for you, and I went, come here, my god dog, I'm here! And your dad was probably so confused. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't tell him about that, so... He was probably like, god dog what neil's thriving because he's working on our patio too right now and mateo's let loose and mateo's really a lot more chill now that he's off his um little chain thing so he's like my dad's little working buddy and it's so cute so i love that so they're thriving (sighs) are you ready i'm ready whose turn is it to go first i think it's yours I, I was think, thinking so, too. I'm pretty sure. Eh, yes. What was the last musical review we even did? I don't know, but I'm pretty sure you're up, I think. I'm going to just Cause do mine, a... Yes, because I had a really sad musical. Did, it was oh. oh, it was the a bear. I oh. did bear, and it was really sad, and then yeah. you went. No, wait. Right? No, wait. I thought I went first, because I did uh, A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder. I feel like I went first. Maybe you did go first. Remember the Skechers? Velco, <laughs> even Velco Skechers can drown. Oh my god. I think it's your turn. Okay. So you can go first. And if we <laughs> if we messed up, it's fine. We okay. apologize in advance. <laughs> half, half of our podcast is us trying to that. figure out what no, we're half, doing. No, half of our, our podcast is just us apologizing because we are a <laughs> that, mess. That too. Apologizing and discussing what is going on because we don't think to do it before we, we start recording. We also don't ever talk, tell each other these things. <laughs> like all these big things that are happening, I literally just told Rachel now because, you know, it's easier that way. Yeah. So. There, we had a bunch of big things and she walks in and she's like, I walked down. She's like, I have tea. And then we talked about the tea yeah. that you guys can't know about yet. And then the tea. <laughs> the tea. The, the coffee. The coffee. Wow. We should start saying the coffee instead of the tea. No, we really shouldn't. <laughs> Everybody. Okay. I, and this is where I stop listening. Everyone's like, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm out of here. I'm, I'm going on to Apple Podcasting. <laughs> I'm going to leave you a review. And that's the coffee. Sis. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. I don't like you. I'm so out of it right now. I got my Mariah Carey hand up. No. This has been on for almost 16 minutes and we've yet to get to. Oh my God. Okay. We are ready to start. (laughs) Rachel is going to talk about love never dies. Okay. She's jealous. (laughs) I am jealous. Love never dies. 
It is a romantic musical composed by Andrew Lloyd Webber. With oh, yeah, King. With lyrics by Glenn Slater and a book by Lloyd Webber, Ben Elton, Frederick For- Forsyth, and Slater. Whoever Slater is. Forsyth and Slater. Whoever Slater is. <laughs> Slater. Oh, I know what Slater is. It's where you could go to cheat. I knew you were going to say cheat that. Cheat for math. <laughs> Believe me, I would know. <laughs> anyway, this is the sequel to the long-running 1986 musical The Phantom of the Opera, and it was loosely adapted from Forsyth's 1999 novel The Phantom of Manhattan. So there are two versions of this. There's the original London version and the 2011 Australian version. Like, there were, like, two completely different stories for it. Oh, okay. I decided to go over the original, which was the, the, London, the version? London version. Oh, little fun fact for everyone. I know this might make me basic, but The Phantom of the Opera is my favorite musical. Okay, then you're going to hate me for this, because I can never pronounce this last name, and it's so easy. What's Meg's last name? I can never Geary? say it right. Geary. I always want to say Gyrie, and I know that's not it. <laughs> Geary. Thank you. I think that's right. Fake now fan. I'm questioning everything. Geary. Now I feel like a fake fan. I'm a fake fan. Ma- I'm Madame Geary. Yeah, that's makes makes mom. So. Yeah. Okay. okay, Geary. We're going with Geary. So it starts with Madame Geary walking alone at night on a desolate pier, reminiscing about an amusement park called Phantasma, and this was Coney Island's former city of wonders. And then the ghost of Miss Fleck, a freak show performer who once worked with Geary at the park, appears out of the darkness. Oh, hello there. When Fleck urges Geary to recall the good old days and blames her for what happened in the good old days, the audience is suddenly transported back in time as the old tattered billboards are restored, the lights of Phantasma are illuminated, and an assortment of the park's performers appear in a dreamlike sequence. So most of this takes place in a flashback, most of the show. Okay. Okay. So it's now 10 years after the events of the Paris Opera House. So... This, this story is a flashback, but it's still 10 years after the original one. Does that make sense? Yes. So, so we're really far ahead in time. Yeah. Okay. So from when the original show happens, it's 10 years in advance, but the very beginning of this musical is like even farther than 10 okay. years. And okay. then it flashes back to 10 years. Okay. Okay, I don't even know where I was at anymore. Let me figure it out. Okay, so 10 years after the events at the Paris Opera House, and the setting is Phantasma on Coney Island in New York. So it starts with an excited group of vacationers arriving, overwhelmed at all that Phantasma has to offer. They speculate about the park's reclusive masked owner and creator, a wealthy tycoon known only as Mr. Y. So Meg Geary, Christine Daae's friend from the opera, who was somewhat more intrigued by... and who was somewhat more intrigued by than afraid of the Phantom in their youth, is now a headlining performer at Phantasma. Madame Geary, her mother, and the opera's former ballet mistress is now a business manager and choreographer for the show. Both Meg and her mother are eager to curry favor with their employer to secure their future. As Meg prepares for performance as the ooh-la-la girl, she wonders whether it will please him, so the owner of this part. Mr. Y? Mr. Y. Okay. After the show, Madame Geary informs Meg that she has arranged for her to meet an important client. This is suggesting that Meg has been performing sexual favors for key individuals in the interest of political and financial expendency for Phantasma. So to help get money. So she has been doing that? Well, it's implied or suggested. Okay. It's never, like, actually said. So in a dark private lair in a tower high above the park, the Phantom, who is now revealed as Mr. Y... 
Okay, so this is a different... No, it's the original Phantom. Oh. Yeah, it gets there. He's now going as Mr. Y. He's okay. the masked owner. So the Phantom now revealed as Fantas- Phantasma's owner and mastermind interacts with an autom- automaton that resembles Christine. Whoa. <laughs> so in spite of the years that have passed and his many successes, the Phantom still longs to be reunited with Christine. Oh, God. Megan Trude's during this and presses the phantom for feedback on her performance but he is distracted by his thoughts of christine and he dismisses meg as an annoyance madame geary is irritated that the phantom still still seems to think only of christine after all she and meg have done for him over the years it's like it's been madame geary and meg with the phantom and he's like still in love with christine yeah so geary recounts how she and meg helped smuggle him out of paris and to a ship departing from calais calais on, on which they escaped to america so at the end of the show yeah technically what what happened after is madame geary and meg smuggled the phantom to america okay. and then he started this the show park. ends with meg on the stage and she like puts up the mask and she's like confused so does that mean madame geary must have like helped him escape and then they both helped they both helped him escape okay like he like revealed himself to them again and then they all escaped That's to america part of the musical when she pulls up the mask it's so cool like, oh, it's so awesome so they started this um phantasma at on coney island in new york when they escaped okay, okay so um ignoring meg the phantom summons miss fleck who is alive at this point, who appears with two other freak show performers, Dr. Gangle and Mr. Squelch. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes, really. The Phantom has them dispatch a letter to Christine inviting her to come and perform at Phantasma. I'm going to be 100% honest. These three freak show people show up multiple times, but I cannot figure out their purpose. They just kind of keep showing up. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> You'll see what I mean. Okay. <laughs> So the Phantom has these three invite Diane to come to Phantasma, but doesn't reveal himself as the Phantom. He signs it Mr. Y. Okay. So three months later, Christine arrives in New York with her husband Raoul and their son Gustav, where they are greeted by crowds of paparazzi at the dock. Remarks from the onlookers suggest that Christine has not performed for some time and Raoul has lost much of their fortune to drinking and a fondness for gambling. Ugh. So the Phantom's trio of freak show performers, so the Fleck, Gangle, and Squelch, arrive. (laughs) (laughs) Say that. Say that the three names again. Gosh. Fleck, Gangle, and Squelch. (laughs) Fleck, Gangle, Squelch. Fleck, Gangle, Squelch. Random names. So they arrive in a strange carriage pulled by a ghost horse, and they whisk Christine and her family away to Coney Island. In their rooms, Raoul expresses disgust that their host would send circus freaks to retrieve them. He upsets, he upsets Gustave by refusing to play with him and storms out to find a bar, leaving Christine to explain his behavior to their son. This doesn't sound like Raoul. Married life can change people. <laughs> they were perfect. I know, this is so sad because, well, just wait. Oh, God. Um... <laughs> When Gustave goes to bed, the Phantom enters and reveals to a stunned Christine that it was he who summoned her to sing at Phantasma. Initially outraged, Christine eventually succumbs to the memory of their evening that the, the evening that the two shared before she was married. Which apparently there was some extra stuff going on that they just don't show in the first in the musical. Cause like, yeah, you'll see. Oh, 
Yeah. So as they both recall their one night of passion. So that's not in the first one, but apparently it happened behind the scenes or something (laughs) backstage. That disturbs me so much. (laughs) Um, It is revealed that Christine was prepared to abandon Raoul for the Phantom, but awoke in the morning to find herself alone. After, like, they had their one night of passion in the first one. She was ready to go for the Phantom, but she woke up and he was gone, so she was like, I'll just go to Raoul then. Oh, God. This is is an outrage. (laughs) The Phantom explains that he fled out of fear that she would reject him again when she saw his face in the morning light. So that's why he left. Okay. They both concede that they once thought their love had a chance, but the circumstances of the present day made it impossible. They are startled by a scream from Gustav, who awakens from a nightmare and rushes to the room. Christine introduces the Phantom as an old friend named Mr. Y, and he promises to show the boy around Phantasma the next day. So then it switches scenes to the rehearsal studio at Phantasma, where Meg is unexpectedly reunited with Christine, who surprises her with the news that she was invited there to sing. Similarly, Raoul encounters Madame Geary and discovers that it was the Phantom who brought them to Coney Island. Later, the Freak Show Trio. Oh, my God. <laughs> See, they don't really have a purpose. They just keep coming back in. They're like minions for him. Fleck, gangle, and squelch. <laughs> squelch. Fleck, gangle, squelch. Fleck, gangle, squelch. So they take Gustav to meet the Phantom in the, I don't even know how to say this, Airy, where the boy is enthralled by the many curious inventions and creations on display. So when Gustave plays a haunting melody of his own composition on the piano, the Phantom is once again reminded of his one night with Christine, and he is struck by the possibility that this musically gifted child could be his son. The Phantom questions Gustave about his talents and passions, finding they are kindred spirits. Believing that Gustave will be able to see past the surface to what is inside, the Phantom is emboldened to remove the mask that hides his deformity. But to his dismay, Gustave is horrified and screams at the sight. Christine enters just in time to calm the boy. When the Phantom confronts her with his suspicions regarding Gustave's paternity, Christine confesses that the child is indeed his son, prompting the Phantom to vow that his life's work will henceforth be for Gustave. So, Phantom has a son. No, this is just different. I always get so mad at some of these. I'm like, why? Why would you do this? That's. I feel like this is why this is more of an unknown musical because people just get mad because it's so... They don't want to think it actually happened. Mm-hmm. Okay, so unbeknownst to them, Madame Geary overheard the whole conversation and she's enraged, fearing that everything she and Meg had done for the Phantom over the years will become nothing as Gustave will be the sole beneficiary to his wealth and property. Oh. Mm. So she get mad mad. So that's the end of Act 1. And then Act 2 starts when a drunken Raoul is sitting alone in a forlorn bar contemplating the evolution of his relationship with Christine. It's worded so fancy. <laughs> Pretty much he's just having sad boy hours. This is what bar. I was going to say. Why didn't they just say sad boy hours? Oh, wait. Sad boy hour at the bar. Meg enters and warns him that New York isn't a suitable place for his family and she urges him to abandon Christine's performance contract and leave that night. Raoul refuses, citing their need for the money. He boasts that he is not afraid of the Phantom, unaware that his rival has since slipped in and replaced the barman behind the counter. So in true Phantom-like fashion, he just, like, I don't know what he does to the barman. So he's not, the Phantom, he's not even a real person, though. Well, he is in this one, apparently, because he has a son. How did he, like, (laughs) is that even possible for him to get her pregnant? I always thought it was a real person, and he was just, like... 
are you sure he's not a real person? Because I thought that, like, he wasn't actually a phantom, but, like, they just thought he was because he would just, like, poof in and out of places and had the mask, but he was really just using secret tunnels. Oh, maybe. I always thought he was a real person. Maybe. I don't know. That always confused me, honestly. I'm pretty sure... I'm a fake fan. Oh, my gosh. Now I probably just made it's myself sound my, stupid. It's my favorite musical. Phantom wasn't a real person, though. <laughs> well, it's confusing. It's okay. <sighs> it's okay, honey. Now I'm going to get, like, so much hate for that. <laughs> I'm going to cry myself to sleep. If anybody hates on Aaron, I'm coming after you. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't call her a fake fan. Only I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gosh. Okay. <clears throat> so, Phantom Back is now the bartender. When Meg leaves, the Phantom confronts Raul and in- intimidates him with vile remarks that cause him to question the paternity of Gustav. So, pretty much, he's like, hmm, you sure that's your son? <laughs> <laughs> As every barman does. The Phantom offers Raul a bet. If Christine fails to perform that night, the Phantom will pay off all of their debt and allow them to leave together. But if she sings the aria he wrote for her, Raoul must go back to France alone. Oh. Raoul accepts the Phantom's dare and then experiences a moment of panic at what he has done. So then it switches scenes again. Out on the beach, the people are enjoying the last day of the summer season. A hot air balloon lands carrying the Phantom's <laughs> trio of freaks. <laughs> <laughs> I just have one question. Why? I told you, they don't really have a purpose. And that's why Phantom is Mr. Why. Because why? <laughs> Good point. Okay, so the trio of freaks arrive in a hot air balloon, and they talk about the entertainment that will be happening that night. So then it goes a little bit far- further into the night, where Meg performs a comedic routine about her choice of swimming costume. <laughs> Swim? What? Swimming costume. I don't know. It's a comedic routine about her swimming costume. Oh, okay, okay. Afterwards, Madame Geary informs her crestfallen daughter that the Phantom was not there to watch her perform and that it had all been for nothing. In her her dressing room, Raoul implores Christine to reconsider her decision to sing and asks her to leave with him at once if she still loves him. When Raoul leaves her alone to think, the Phantom enters and tells Christine that Raoul knows his love is not enough and that she must sing for him once more. When he departs, Christine recalls the fateful, the fateful night at the Paris Opera House when she had to make the difficult decision between the respectable and comfortable life offered by Raoul and the passionate rush of the Phantom and his music. Backstage, Raoul, the Phantom, and Madame Geary each wait anxiously to see whether Christine will flee or sing while Meg entertains Gustave. The stage manager calls Kerr in, and Christine takes her place on stage. The orchestra begins to play, and after a moment of pained indecision, Christine succumbs to the Phantom's music and sings his aria for the appreciative crowd. So she sings. Oh, God. Her performance is watched from the wings by the Phantom and Raoul until Raoul resigns himself to the decision that she has made. Afterward, the Phantom joins an overwhelmed Christine in her dressing room, and the two share a rapturous moment. Ugh. Christine finds a letter from Raoul stating that he is left for good, and she begins to panic when she realizes that Gustave is also missing. The Phantom at first assumes that Raoul has taken the boy, but Miss Fleck reveals that she earlier passed Meg's dressing room and saw a smashed mirror and Meg leaving with a small figure. A worried Madame Geary announces that she knows where they are likely going, and then it changes again to a desolate pier where the Phantom Christine and Madame Geary find the distraught Meg seemingly about to drown Gustave in the ocean. What? This is so... 
absurd. Because she do be mad. Because she like hecking Christine, and like also she knows that Gustav's gonna get all the wealth, and so she's like, I I just get rid of him. Oh gosh. Meg brandishes a gun to make the phantom. You're gonna hate this. Sorry. Meg brandishes a gun to make the phantom finally pay attention to her as she describes the lengths the Garys have gone to over the years to ensure the success of Phantasma, including Meg's offering herself to men in high places to grease the wheels of the phantom's high flying deals. So now she says that she did sleep with other men. Okay. The phantom apologizes for his failure to truly see Meg and her contributions, but when he unthinkably unthinkingly mentions Christine, Meg becomes enraged and accidentally fires the gun, shooting Christine. Oh. The Phantom rushes to Christine and orders Madame Geary to go for help while Meg looks on in stunned horror at what she has done. Christine reveals to Gustave that the Phantom is his real father, and she tells the Phantom that her love for him will never die. The Phantom and Christine share a final kiss as she dies in his arms. The Phantom has Meg hold Christine's body as he moves to comfort Gustav, who unmasks him without fear, and that is how it ends. I hate it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I hate it so much. That didn't happen. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is why Love Nibble Never Dies never took off. Because <laughs> people yeah. like Aaron get mad. Well, yeah, but... Okay. Okay. <laughs> I know some people get... They don't understand why some people don't like the Phantom. But, like, I don't. It's creepy. You don't like the Phantom? No. I like it. Okay. I like, like his voice. I never really liked voice, the Phantom. His voice. Like, in order to play the Phantom, like, the character is awesome. But, like, you don't want to actually root for him. Like, yeah, how could you? I know. I liked her with Raul. I think the reason I like Love Never Dies is just because I always like the idea of alternate endings. And this yeah. is, like, an alternate ending. It is interesting, but... The music in the first one's better, though, in my opinion. I didn't listen to the whole soundtrack, but, like, I liked the first one better. Well, the music in the first one is, like, some of the best music ever. So, you can decide so however Rachel you just want said if you want to believe happen. that happened or not. not. It didn't happen, so just disregard everything Rachel said. <laughs> They probably think I'm the most stubborn person ever. Oh, you, the look she made, she agrees with that statement. It's okay. Only about certain things. I, I am I am only stubborn about very certain things. I had to edit out a really big section in one of our stories of Erin going, uh, for like a solid like seven seconds because she didn't want to talk about something. <laughs> I know that's all I did for the whole time. It was so long. It was just Erin going, uh. <laughs> so, so I was just like, okay, I'm gonna I make edit it so obvious when I'm uncomfortable. Yeah, it's so funny. Luckily, different. luckily you had a good leeway into a section, so I could easily cut it out, so no one could tell how uncomfortable. I cannot talk today. It has been a day. Let me tell you, I keep stumbling over my words. It's, it's okay. fine. No worries. You've been busy all day. I know. So, so yes, that is <gasps> Love Never Dies, sequel to Phantom of the Opera. Take it as you will. Aaron's not taking it at all. I'm not taking anything. No, 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 no. The past 20 minutes just didn't happen. Yeah, I have to agree. <laughs> um, Aaron's turn. It's my turn. And so technically I was supposed to do the Batman one first, but I just cannot get myself. <laughs> I'm very sorry if that's your favorite musical. But I don't even know what's it called. I don't know. Home Batman. I don't <laughs> but the A is like the at sign. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. I don't even know what it's called. If I'm being real, I'll find it very quickly. 
Okay, maybe I won't find it very quickly. <laughs> we talk too much over text. Where? Yeah, that's the, that's the problem. Wait, just go to images. Uh, holy musical Batman, but the A is A. The A-T is the at sign, so it's still Batman. Yeah. Because when you say that, it's oh, at. Oh, I get it. <laughs> I didn't notice that. I like to not think about that music. <laughs> maybe it's actually really good. Have yeah. you even have you done any research on it yet? No. Oh, so you're just looking at the name and you're like, I, I don't want to do this. I looked at two pictures and I, like, you know, when I first typed it into Google, I looked at the pictures that came up and I was like, no. It's obviously pretty clever because I definitely would not have thought to change the AT and bat to an app. Well, line. I didn't even understand it. So. Well, that's part of our issue. Yeah. Here. That's part of it. yeah. <laughs> so instead, I'm doing the Ghost Quartet. Which is a song cycle written and composed by Dave Malloy, who wrote The Great Comet, or Natasha and Pierre and The Great Comet mm. of 1812. Yes, we do love which that. Which me and Rachel love. Ah, we do love. Uh, and so this show is described as a song cycle about love, death, and whiskey. Mood. So, what? I was going to try to do it with hand. You should face the mic. Oh, sorry. It's okay. <laughs> I hope it sounded. I was normal. trying to do it with like hand signals, but you weren't getting it. I was like, I, was like, <laughs> I thought you were just doing something weird. No, I was putting my hand in her face and pointing to the mic. <laughs> okay, no. What you were doing was not very obvious. It looked like you were I'm just, just doing this. Oh, I just saw you do this. I just saw you doing karate well, chops. So, <laughs> and sometimes I was like, you go into your own little mind space. So you think I just imagined that? No, I definitely did like. <laughs> no, I saw karate chops, man. Okay. I was like, so you maybe. I was like, yeah, hmm, that's different. Then you probably imagined the karate. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay. I was just like, that's different. But whatever, Rachel. <laughs> I just feel like karate chopping. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. So this one, I, I read it through and I had to read it through again. And I'm still going to say it's kind of confusing. But I think I'm getting the overall. The overall gist. So maybe don't ask me too many questions because I probably won't be able to answer them. Mm, okay, I'm going to ask you as many questions as I can think of. No. Okay, so this show tells four overlapping stories. So throughout the whole thing, there's like these four random stories that seem so different, but they actually all kind of a part of the same story type okay. of thing. So it's a warped fairy tale about two sisters a treehouse astronomer and a lazy evil bear, a, retell a retelling of Edgar Allan Poe's The Fall of the House of Us Usher, a purgatorial intermezzo about Shirazed, Sherazad, Sherazad, I think, and the ghost of the Thelonious Monk. And, okay, so it says four, but then there's five things, so I'm confused about that. I mean, Edgar Allan Poe sometimes just does whatever he wants. I, his is like a, cause like he's like a poet, but his is like some kind of like story that he wrote about like, oh, I can't remember. I had to look up a lot of this stuff. Anyways, that was not helpful. And a contemporary fable about a subway murder. The story doesn't take place in chronological order though. So. Great. Uh, okay, so the musical first begins by introducing the four storytellers. So I think there's only four people in the whole cast. And they're all, they will just play multiple characters. So for like oh, each so story. So kind of like a come from away type of thing? Yeah, kind of like that. Um, 
So, because it says, yeah, throughout the show, they will all portray several characters. So, this is how it begins. So, a young woman known as Rose visits a camera shop to purchase a new camera, having broken and lost her old one. The owner of the shop shows Rose a fiddle made from the breastbone of her great aunt, Pearl White. I just know that this is going to be such an interesting musical. Yeah. <laughs> Edgar Allan Poe just... You said that, and I was like, oh. It's a bunch of, it's four very random stories. Well, slash five. The Ghost Quartet. Yes. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, she tells a story about Pearl White and her sisters, the camera shop's owner's great-grandmother. So, Rose is going to buy a camera, <laughs> and then... This one shop owner is like, let me tell you the story of my great-grandma and her sister. So then it goes to a flashback? Or is he, does he just tell the story? Oh, it's a girl, I think. Or the shop but, owner. Uh, I, th- I think it, it kind of it explains the story. Soon. Okay. Um, uh, so Rose, who's learning the story, is named Rose Red. But this... Their grandma, this shop owner's grandma, was also named Rose Red, which is... Ironic. So they're both named Rose Red. Yeah, they both have the same why name. why not make it confusing? Uh, so Rose Red, so this is like the grandmother, great, or great-grandmother, she falls in love with an astronomer and writes poetry about the stars. The astronomer steals her writings and publishes them in his own name. And then... Um, Soon after, the astronomer leaves Rose Red for Pearl White. So he leaves Rose Red for her sister, Pearl White. These are some interesting things. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder so if I can do that. That was like probably my dog. Mateo. Um, that was Mateo. Yeah. Rose Red Furious asks a bear to kill the astronomer <laughs> and turn her sister into a crow. The bear says he will, but he asks for one pot of honey, one piece of stardust, one secret baptism, and a photo of a ghost. How do you do a secret baptism? I don't know, man. <laughs> There's some questions I cannot answer. So it's a magic bear. He kind of. Kind of. Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> we need the poo's evil now. The evil bear. <laughs> the alternate ending of <laughs> Winnie the Pooh. Yes. The al- this is the- everyone, this is the alternate ending of Winnie the Pooh. So I had an alternate ending of Phantom and you get alternate ending of yes. Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> um so da, 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 it is revealed Rose Red performed the baptism in the sea. On a baby she stole from a teenage mother. So that's how she did the baptism. She just randomly stole some uh, woman's kid. Because how else do you do it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, then the scene changes and we hear the baptized child known simply as Star Child. So that's the name of the child, I guess. Uh, reflect on being blessed by a stranger and the impact it had on her life. So the Star Child talks about how she was blessed by a stranger, stranger and how that, I guess, impacted everything. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why that would be something you would want to talk about. <laughs> Anyways, so the scene changes once more to a subway station with four modern characters. The driver, the victim, the pusher, and the photographer. So this is starting to interlap, I think, with like a newer, a new story. The victim is pushed in front of a train. By the pusher. Yes. 
1873, the Usher family is at the side of their 17-year-old daughter, Roxy. Roxy's child, Star Child, was stolen from her. And as a result, Roxy has fallen deathly sick. So you see how they're, like, overlapping mm, now. So now the stories start to connect. Yeah, because so... That yeah. is... I like when that... That's like American Horror Story. Yeah, true. <laughs> I like that. American Horror Story is so crazy, too. It is, but, like, it's so Kinda cool that, like, they all connect. So, like, mm-hmm. now it makes sense. Uh, Rose Red arrives and seduces the soldier <laughs> in order to take her... To... Oh, in order to take her... In order to make him give her honey, I think, so she can give it to the bear. Mm. Uh, so this, okay. Then the four storytellers sing a song about ghosts and other animated dead people. So wait, does each storyteller tell a different story? I think each storyteller is like a main, the main storyteller of one of the stories. So do you think it's like a fourth wall break where they're acting and all of a sudden like they start talking to the audience like to tell the story? Maybe because I listened to the the soundtrack and he was kind of like, they would be like, this is um, side one, track two. Like, they would, like, it was really weird. It was more mm-hmm. like a performance rather than a musical. Interesting. Which could be because it's kind of a song cycle type thing. So, I don't know. Okay. The astronomer introduces his character. So, like, it talked about him, but he's, like, more, I guess, introduced now. In the house of Usher, Roxy's father, Edgar, calls a family meeting and discusses Roxy's supposed imaginary friend. Her sister, also named Rose, who died when Roxy was a baby. Roxy tells her parents that Rose has tried to convince her to die to join her in heaven. So, yes. And she eventually becomes frustrated with her parents because, like, they're like, you need to, like, get over this and grow up. And she, like, shouts at him, at them and yells at them. The four, storytell- yeah, the four storytellers and no particular character sing a song that personifies four different brands of whiskey. Mood. <laughs> <laughs> I do that, too, sometimes, you know. Sometimes I'll just see whiskey and start personifying it. <laughs> Yes, me too. I actually just did it yesterday. It's fun time. I feel like I do it on the daily. If you don't personify whiskey, are you even a human? That's the truth. That is the real <laughs> philosophical question we are asking today. We should start a poll. Do you personify whiskey? <laughs> yes, we will when we release this episode. If so, how often? If so, how often? If so, have you talked to your therapist? <laughs> this is for scientific research. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I need a coffee. Okay. Edgar Usher encourages his son, the fool, that's what he's named, to leave home <laughs> and escape his bad influence. <laughs> I guess that's what they refer to him as. Imagine your My parents, parents naming me. you the fool. What's your first name? The, the fool. What's your last name? What's your, what, I guess he's the fool Usher. Oh, so his middle name is fool. I guess. The fool Usher. I don't know, man. He makes plans to leave his family and make his own way in the world. Roxy cries out for her brother, her sister, and her daughter. Uh, after Edgar tells her that her daughter is gone, or gone Roxy dies. Because she's like... Heartbroken? Yes, I think. Uh, Lady Usher, who is losing herself to madness, vows to lock her daughter's corpse in the vault underneath her bedroom for a fortnight. Mood. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a mood, Rachel? Do you really want to keep that in this recording? <laughs> I have a few bodies underneath my wife. Dude, do not say <laughs> what is it called? Um the in the floor? vault underneath her bedroom. Yes. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I'm kidding. I and don't. that is how our podcast ended. <laughs> Rachel goes to prison. <laughs> you would be like the last person to go to prison. <laughs> I would not survive in prison. I could just, you would never do anything. Like, I just could never actually see you doing anything. If I end up in prison, I was probably she framed. Was framed. Also, I feel like I was framed too. <laughs> Let's be real. We'd end up together in prison. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. Yeah, I've been in here for a month. Okay. Uh, um, in the astronomer's treehouse, Rose Red and the astronomer look through his telescope while she creates poems about each star they see. She professes her love for him and he does the same. Aw. No, not all. Oh. Later, Pearl White and the astronomer profess their love for each other. Oh, no. Casual. Rose Red is next seen hunting down Sherazad, an ancient storyteller who lives in a 14th century Persian palace with her husband, Shah Zaman. Sherazad is, uh, like, the story te- like the storyteller in uh, Arabian Nights. Or, a th- you know that? That's, like, a huge thing. Mm-hmm. So she's, like, the main storyteller. So that's what this character is based off of. The scene reverts to when Dunazad was alive, which... Wait, oh, no, I skipped one. That's why this is confusing. Sherazad tells Road Red she reminds her of her sister, Dunazad. I don't think that's how you say it, but <laughs> Dunazad. Rose Red asks for a piece of stardust, and Sherazad offers it to her, telling the story of her life. The scene reverts to when Dunazad was alive, where her older sister is telling her the story of Roxy's child being stolen. This is so hard to, like... Comprehend? Yes. I gotta think about this second. Older sister. Okay. Sherazad... What? Tells the story of David, the piano player, and the ghost of Thelonious Monk living behind a hidden door. So Thelonious Monk is a a jazz performer and composer. So... And he lives behind a door. I I guess. (laughs) As most people do. It is his ghost is, so... As most people do, living behind a door. I don't know. I don't know if there's, like, reports of him, like, haunting people before. I don't know why. I tried to, like, find something, and I was just confused. Uh, Sherazad asks Dunazad if she remembers being anything other than her sister, and she doesn't. In the Usher household, a young Roxy, Roxy asks her mother to read her Arabian Nights. The story how, of how Rose lost her camera is explained. She took... Okay, so she took a photograph of the victim on the subway instead of saving her. Proceeding, so she's the photographer. Oh. Proceed, proceeding to throw her camera to the ground in disgust. Because she took the picture instead of saving the person? Yes, I think she felt guilty. Yeah. Uh, in the next song, Sherzad finishes a story about Rose at the camera shop and talks with Shah Zaman, who is Sherzad's husband, yes. Uh, who plans to kill her when she runs out of stories. So when Sherazad runs out of stories, he plans to kill oh, her. Oh, this is... Okay, that is another story. So it's, it's it's a... What do you mean? There's. You've heard a story like this before? Yeah, I don't know if it... Maybe it is Arabian Nights. It's probably from Arabian Nights. Is that Nights. the one where, like, the dude takes a different bride every night and kills her by the morning, but then, like, this one chick comes and, like, keeps telling him stories and that's how she stays alive? It might be. Because, like, she leaves him on a cliffhanger, so he doesn't want to kill her. 
I feel like that's, a, I think that is Arabian Nights. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's it. Okay, that took um, me a minute to make that connection. I think I heard This is, you're going to prison, Rachel. I just, I just, I didn't mean it like that. I meant, it's interesting. Yeah. I promise I'm not a serial killer. Meanwhile, <laughs> Rose Red finds out about Pearl White and the astronomer's affair and threatens the astronomer, who denies ever having a relationship with her sister. We flash forward to Rose Red bringing the bear the four items. The bear tells her he never planned on doing what she asked. He just wanted the honey. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe it is Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> oh in the house of Usher, Lady Usher hears Roxy awaken from the dead, and her husband reads her stories to soothe her. He tells her the story of the subway, but before he can finish, Roxy breaks into the room and attacks her mother, killing her. Oh, okay. Just because. <laughs> Meanwhile, at the subway station, a Pearl, the victim, plays a game on her phone before she's pushed onto the track. Is that Pearl White? Yes. Oh. Rose has to make a split decision to save Pearl or to take the photo to give to the bear. She takes the photo and oh. Pearl is killed. Oh. Yes. Okay. The four storytellers sing and make a vow to forgive themselves for their mistakes. Rose realizes she has made a mistake in letting her sister die. Yeah. <laughs> Later, Rose and the camera shop owner talk. The camera shop owner reveals that she was Rose's sister mother, daughter, lover, and best friend in various former lives. Wait, how does that work? I don't know. I gotta think about that. <laughs> wait a minute, hold okay, on. Okay, wait. Okay, so Rose... Okay, so this is Rose who just went to the camera shop to Yeah. And they were talking. She's talking with the camera shop owner. And the camera shop owner reveals that she was Rose's Red's sister. Who died? Yes. Mother? Who died? Right? Uh, yes, because Roxy killed her. Right? Yeah. Daughter? She didn't have a, I'm so confused. Lover. So she's. Is she saying she was the. Uh, lover would be the astronomer. Mother. Ro or no. Daughter is. The baby that was stolen, yeah. right? Mother would be Roxy. But the daughter never died, right? Did the know. lover die? I don't know. I don't Maybe they don't have to die. I guess that when, because my, I was trying to reason this, like, oh, they died and then became this next person, but that wouldn't make sense either because they were all, like, adults at the same time. So never mind that theory. So I guess, is this, like, a reincarnation then? I don't know. This hurts my brain. I don't know either. So this is, like, the one part that, like, it doesn't, I don't know. If you have a better way of explaining this <laughs> because I read it and I was like I I, I, I don't know I get the main purpose of it I get but, this I like this okay finish and then we'll talk yes uh doo -doo -doo. okay and her best friend in various former lives Rose and the subway driver dance they later have two daughters together <laughs> Okay. Zero to a hundred. <laughs> the four storytellers then tell the story of how Rose Red took revenge on her sister and how Pearl White's breastbone was turned into a fiddle. Okay. And that's the end. I understood it for the most part, and I like how the story is all tied together. It was just like the end sentence. Maybe I'm missing, like, I'm missing one key component. 
maybe they're maybe it makes more sense when you like watch it. But yeah. we're trying to be legal here by not watching bootlegs. Yes. Yeah. And I listened to most of the soundtrack, but I did not listen to all of it. I will say that. That's okay. Um, the music, if I had, the music is, it's, I'm trying to describe it, because it was more like a concert form in the soundtrack, so, because it, well, it was also, the one I listened to, it was live, so you could hear the people oh, clapping, and okay. then they would say something like, this is side one, track four, and then this is act two, so, whatever, and then, um, yeah, and Oh, and there's a lot of uh, recit. I cannot. I actually don't know how to say this word. Recitative. Re- recitative. Is that how you say the word? I don't even know what you're it's talking like, about. It's like. So I thought this show was actually really interesting because a lot of the concepts, like in musical concepts, mentioned in here, I learned in music history. That's awesome. So, uh, like song cycles. If we learned about that with. Um, Robert Schumann? Yes, Robert Schumann. We stand Robert Schumann. I don't know who that is, but um, we stand him. And then, like, he talks about intermezzo, and recitative means, like, when they t- talk over music. A lot of times yeah, it's at the beginning okay. of a song. So I know, like, Newsies, I did that. Yeah, that makes sense. So it has yeah, a lot I don't of know that. What the pronunciation and then is. it goes in the song. But a lot of the songs, I kind of got vibes from Great Comet, but also not completely because. Each song, like, they were kind of diverse, how they sounded, because it was fit, each, because each, there's so many different things happening here, mm-hmm. I don't think you could write it as the whole show is one style, so, yeah. it was kind of, it was kind of interesting, I wanted to listen to it more, but Dave Malloy, he definitely writes music differently than a lot of people. Yeah, he has a really specific way of doing things. And I think, honestly, I think he's just so ahead of his time. I agree. I because also, I understand it, but also it's just so new. Maybe it's just like a really, I don't know. I also think the reason Great Comet never took off completely is just because of the way he writes stuff. Like, I feel like you either love his stuff or you don't, and there's really no in between. Yeah, because like the song No One Else from The Great Comet Beautiful. is like a, it's a typical song that you would hear for like musical theater that someone would sing but not many of the other ones but are. not many of the other ones are and like the opera that song in it yeah where, like i get so like it's not made to sell no and somehow he still got a lot of success with it yeah it was on broadway it was i've also heard a lot of people say that like they hated it like i've really not seen anybody who was felt lukewarm about it most people i've talked to have either really yes. liked it or they don't like it at all and I think it's just a specific yeah. style. You either like it or you don't. It's hard for me to just, like, listen to, but I think to watch, if you were actually to see it, it would be, like, so amazing. I like listening to it just for the fact that it's, um, it is an opera, so you can, like, hear the whole story. So mm-hmm. I like the musicals that, like, that's another reason, like, I like Hamilton besides, like, Hamilton. It's, like, you can understand the story without seeing it by listening to the soundtrack. Yeah. And I always am partial to those shows. Yeah, it's, I like, I mean, I, there's some songs I like more than others, but. Definitely. He's just, I mean, he's definitely a musical genius because. He is. I can just, I can. I agree with what you said. He is ahead of his time. That's, that's what a I good way to put it. it. Is. Yeah. And our minds are just advanced enough to be with him ahead of the oh, time. Oh, yeah, I wish, but. <laughs> just, and well, also, he's copying a lot of old styles, common styles mm-hmm. of music. So maybe he's just. Going back to the old ways. Like we Golden just, Age stuff? No, like way older. Like, even before that? Like 
um, kind of like romantic period. Oh, okay, that one makes sense. Or why it's like a yeah. love or hate relationship. So I feel like because he's because I'm learning. I just learned the romantic period, but also the classic. The classical period was before that, and I'm getting a lot of vibes, mainly from romantic period. So it's a, probably a good thing you did this one because because I <laughs> you because I have to take. I'm done with music history though. You are yes, but it came in handy. I would not have like had all those extra tips, not tips, but like statements if yeah, I had done this one. True. There's a lot I d- I know I don't know, but it was cool to kind of feel like I learned something. That is cool. <sighs> so fun. I thought this one was fun. The musical? I liked that. Yeah, it was different. It is. It was hard to follow at some points, but also that comes from explaining it instead of watching. Yeah. If I watched it, I think I would have been able to fully make those connections. But And also, for me, there are just sometimes when I just can't connect the dots reading stuff. It takes... Yeah, it's me too. Like, I'm not like a, a learner by reading no. normally. Actually, the first time I read through Love Never Dies, I just... I understood what was going on, but I also, there was a lot of things that I didn't, that I totally missed, and then, like, I read it out loud, and, like, to myself, and I got everything, so, like, I know I'm not, like, I can always comprehend stuff, but, like, just the fact of that makes me wonder how much stuff I miss when, like, reading books and stuff in my head, yeah. because, <laughs> oh, believe me, I'm I, Like, way. I love reading, but if I missed a lot of key details in this, and there's sometimes I'll read a book, and I'll be like, this doesn't make any sense. Oh, well, and I'll just move on. But it's yeah. probably, it probably would make sense if my brain just made connections. Yeah, same. <laughs> Me. You, an author. Me, an author. <laughs> yes. Wow. Oh, we will talk about that. Time. Time. Oh, I didn't even mean that to do that. That was such a pun right there. <laughs> I, see, I told you accidentally. <laughs> that one was pretty funny. I'm getting a book published. Yay! This is where this is coming from. It's so from. exciting. Yep. It'll... I'm hoping it's going to be out the end of August this month. Well, I don't know when it'll be when this episode's released, but when we're recording. Yeah, now it's it's August 2020, so we're, she's hoping it's out by the end of It'll definitely month. be September There's if it's not August. There's no question about it. They're on to the final step, which is cover art right now, but I've not gotten the first draft back of the cover art. So, like, if I really like it, it'll probably be out in August, but if I'm not happy yeah. with it, it'll probably be September. But I'm excited, so. So I'm excited. He 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 he. I get it. I get her signature. Mm. We'll see. Oh, <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm kidding, Aaron Clooney. My dog is your god dog. I'll sign a book for Mateo. Okay. <laughs> He'll just rip it up, though. Not to be mean, he just will. I know. Um. So yeah. But he'll rip it up with love. Yeah, rip it up. <laughs> okay, Rachel. Uh, so I can tell Rachel liked the coffee. <laughs> it's gone. It was really good. It is really good. Um, maybe I'll s- not want to sleep tonight. I also took a nap today. I didn't mean to. I just needed it, I think, because I couldn't do anything. I was like, I can't do anything until I sleep. I feel. Because I've been overwhelming myself for no reason. That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Erin, you got to stop doing that. So I actually can't remember the last time I took a nap. I don't know what's going on with me, but I just like don't need a nap to survive anymore. So, have you been taking extra iron pills? (laughs) I'm low on iron, I'm iron deficient, and I need naps. (laughs) During choir, Aaron's senior year, I would always always bust in, like, I'm low on iron, I need to lay down. I'd just flop on the floor. (laughs) And Aaron and Alex would always be like, Rachel, stop. Or I'd be like, oh, I'm so tired. Or we'd be laying on the ground already too. Or I'd be like, I'm so tired. And they'd be like, did you take your iron today? 
No. Well, that's why you're tired, Rachel. <laughs> you really, like, every time you're like, I'm so tired. And we're like, okay, but did you take your iron? And you're like, no. And it's like, <laughs> oh, I wonder why you're tired, Rachel. <laughs> but I'm responsible in life things, not when it comes to taking care of myself. Same. <laughs> Twinning. <laughs> They're going to learn so much about us just from us accidentally, like, spilling deep, dark secrets. <laughs> Even though it's not yes. that deep, dark, but... Yeah, pretty much. We I, well, don't take someone, care of ourselves. Someone told me, they were like, I'm just so surprised you're doing a podcast because, you know, you've always been so shy, but then when you start performing, it was, like, crazy, and now you're doing a podcast, and I'm like, yeah, I guess so. I don't I don't see myself as how everyone else does. Like, I see... I always thought of, okay, not that I thought I was talkative, because I really wasn't in school that much, but, like, everyone's always like, you talk? It's like, heck <laughs> yeah, I do. No, Aaron, we do a podcast, but Aaron sits there. I actually just have yeah. two different, <laughs> Rachel has two different voices. I bet I talk just as much as you. You probably do. So. But the difference is I talk this much all the time, and yeah. you only talk this much when you're comfortable. Yeah. Some people, I'm just like. No, it's not like, don't take offense. I just, I, I have trust issues. <laughs> so I'm like, I can't be open around you yet. Well, I'm glad you trust me enough to be open. <laughs> well, we are making a podcast together, so I'd hope so. All these people listening are like, wow, you must trust us too. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Rachel. I can just imagine them. Oh, they must, she must trust us too. If you were thinking that when we were talking about it. That makes me feel good, though. DM us. That you care about me trusting you. I don't. (laughs) Oh, God. Okay. You know what? Rochelle. I'm sorry. Rochelle Whirling. I'm in such a weird mental space. Again, I was staring at my computer from 9 to 5 today. I'm sorry. I do. I care about your trust. Thanks. Thanks. (sighs) A lot of talking. Wow. (laughs) Dude, we really do be talking. Um, Most of this wasn't even about the musicals. I know. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. This is you listening to me and Aaron talk for an hour and so far five minutes. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other things, but I think we don't really have anything else yet. There should be more interesting things coming soon. We're being so, like, foreshadowy today. Cliffhanger. If you want to know, keep listening. Are we telling this just so they don't kill us? Why would they kill us? Because it's like Arabian Nights. Since when? I'm just saying, like that story you said, like he's keeping <laughs> us, they're keeping us around until we run out of stories and then they're going to kill us. Oh, so that's why we added musical reviews here. Connections. My brain just like, wow, right there. <laughs> <laughs> I sound like Alex right there. Sometimes you just be like, well, my mind sometimes. <laughs> it's like, what? Like, you would say something that everyone else already thought about, and then you'd be like, did you know this? And I was like, yeah, like, that's pretty awesome. And he's like, my mind sometimes. The people who don't know, like, us personally and are just, like, listening because, like, they like our podcast are probably so tired of us talking about these people that, like, make no impact in their life. Probably. (laughs) Sorry for the people who don't know these people personally, but we will continue to keep mentioning them. I promise you if we were talking about them, they're probably cool. Yeah, probably. (laughs) (laughs) okay i think that is enough (laughs) i'm kidding 
kidding. I love you all. I love all the listeners. Anybody who's here, I love you. I love Aaron. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we out of here. Okay. Again, thank you for listening. Check out our social media and our Patreon page and all that fun stuff. All that fun stuff. You probably know what I was saying that. And if you want to hear our bloopers and covers and get coffee. Be a supporter. Power equals latte shirts. Yep. Power equals latte shirts. Okay. Bye. Bye.